0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Ponytails podcast. This is your host, Andres Gamboa. Thank you for listening. If you're a returning person, if you've heard multiple episodes, thanks so much for listening. We do appreciate that. It means a lot that you have found joy in the show and that you have enjoyed all the episodes. Um, A quick little recap of what we do and who we are, if this is your first episode. We interview people who sold books with Southwestern Advantage. It's a company that recruits college kids to go door-to-door selling books, educational systems and books to families who need help with homework. So all of our guests are people who have done this program, sometimes 80 hours a week uh for like 12 weeks of the summer on straight commission and sometimes not even a place to live established yet, but this is how they spend their college summers. So hopefully you guys enjoy. We've had some amazing stories uh over the course of the life of the show. It's been a blast. We've cried, we've laughed. Uh it's it's been a blast. So, hope you guys enjoy. My guest for today is Javed Bagani. Um, he sold for five summers in 1990, from the 1990s to 1994. So those five years, oh man, what a good year, 94, uh, for for the Force organization. He, unfortunately, we'll say unfortunately, <laughs> was from the Eagle Blitz organization. We'd love to give him uh, a, 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 some, some, a hard time just because we've had so many Eagle Blitz people on the show. But we love, we love all of our guests have been from there. Uh, he is one of the owners of Biscayne Hospitality. Uh, it's a phenomenal company from what I hear. Uh, thanks to our producer who did a little bit of uh, research on it. It's beautiful. If you go check out their LinkedIn, their Instagram, their Twitter, their Facebook, you can find out for yourself. We're going to hear a little bit more about what that is and how, what they do here in a second. He went to University of Houston. He calls Houston home and his favorite scroll is number three, I Will Persist Until I Succeed, which has been a fan favorite. A lot of people like that one. We love it too here. So we'll be back with you in a little sec. Ponytail Podcast. Hello, hello. Hey, Andres. Hi, thanks for being here.
1: Oh, thank you for the invitation. Oh,
0: it's so cool. Oh, man. Honestly, I, every time we do an episode, I say this every time, but it's, I just can't believe my job. I get to talk to book people for a living.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, like I told you before, I think you're doing something incredibly valuable. Uh, you're bringing happiness to people with, through nostalgia, and I think that's just amazing, Andreas. I, you know, very much supportive of what you're doing. I think it's great.
0: I appreciate it. And we're not alone in this. Thank you so much for all the team that we have here on the show. We have six people. Thanks uh, to all of you guys who work really hard for this. Uh, Shout out to Nick who helped me out initially. And uh, for sure, Boca Productions who does our video editing. So thank you so much to all the team. I I owe it to them. (laughs) They're awesome. Yes, sir. Well, thank you for being on the show. Let's let's dive right on in. Okay. Uh, nor- normally, we'd like to start the catching up with what you're up to now. So you left Southwestern in 94. I always like to ask, as, into as much detail as you want to go into, how did you end up um, over at Biscayne Hospitality? And maybe just kind of go through the, the major highlights that you've had in the last few years that brought you to today.
1: Okay, I, I'll give you the little bit longer story since we have some time, you know. Um, sure that's great. You know, um, what's interesting, you know, I, I'm somewhat philosophical. So you hear kind of some of this going through, but what's interesting is, you know, we tend to make a lot of decisions in life, but I, you know, as you reflect back, I think there's certain things that you kind of really didn't decide on, or you flip it when you made a decision that has incredible impact, you know? So sometimes yeah. we think we're making all these great decisions, but the reality is, is sometimes it just kind of flows. So, I was sitting on a bench in ninth grade uh, at high school, Klein High School. And one of my friends, Jack, uh, we were just talking as a you know, wet-eared freshman. Hey, what are you, what are you doing? And he goes, well, I'm going to join uh, Junior Achievement. And I said, well, what's Junior Achievement? And I said, well, he goes, it's a business school. And then basically, that's all he had to say is the word business. And I was kind of in tune. So I was very excited about that. So I went to join uh, that club at high school. Uh, and then, you know, I was already selling shoes at Kenny's Shoes as a kid. So I joined the sales competition for Junior Achievement. And uh, in 12th grade, uh, right at the end, they had a competition for all the high schoolers on their selling skills. And, you know, so I went to that. Uh, I won it, of course. Um, but <laughs> the, um, but there was a judge named Mike Holsey uh, who said, hey, you need to go sell books door to door. And I said, "Well, what's that?" And I said, "I'm not interested." At the time, uh, one of our family friends owned like four or five dry cleaners. I had my pager, you know, and yeah. I was excited. I thought I was a big man on campus. I had to, you know, um, so I was managing those six dry cleaning stores. And he kept persisting uh, on me going to sell books door to door. You know, he had me meet That'd with <laughs> and And uh, I, I blew him off, you know. And then right around May. He he said, uh, you know, you gotta, you got to do this. And I said, look, I'll make you a deal. If you can talk my dad into this, I'll go, you know. So I go to my dad's office, you know, downtown uh, Houston, Greenway Plaza. And I'm like, Dad, this guy, Mike, he just keeps calling me. You know, he's driving me crazy. Can you just call him and, you know, let's get it over with. So I'm, I remember this. I'm staying at my dad's door. I'm like, okay, good. I outsmarted this guy. I'm going to get out of it. This is great. <laughs> And uh, he's talking to my dad and uh, my dad hands up, hangs the phone, says, I think it's a good idea that you should go. I'm like, (laughs) that's the last thing I wanted to do. But anyways, I, you know, I quit the, I quit the job uh, that I was working at. Two weeks later, I'm smoking triple fives, crying all the way to Nashville, Um, you know, being first time on my own um so that's kind of how it started uh my book you know and I had to quit smoking the first time I had to run up that hill I almost died you know um yeah. so that was a that was a quit smoking program pretty quick you know <laughs> have you smoked since no not
0: really,
1: I don't really it smoked. worked but in the you know as a kid you know that was one of the things you did back in the 90s smoked cigarettes you know
0: that's right, and it worked for you. If you want to quit smoking, go sell books sort of door to That should be books. that should be one of the added value, like you know. Oh man, that hill! That
1: hill was just terrible. You know?
0: It's it's the steepest hill. I mean, I've seen steeper hills, but for some reason, it's still you've seen it, but it doesn't feel as steep as that yeah. hill going up to yeah. the
1: War Memorial. <laughs> oh, with your little book bag and stuff, and <laughs> so to not hit
0: business people walking through downtown. Exactly. I mean.
1: Hey guys, hope you're enjoying the
0: episode so far. I know I am. I wanted to give a quick shout out to the people that make this show possible, the people that bring this show to you. Uh, These are people who all sold books and we're here to give a quick shout out to them in a spotlight uh, about their company and what they're up to. So if you're interested or if after listening to this, you're kind of wanting to know a little bit more, feel free to click on the links below to connect with these people. Uh, These are from an excerpt I have with them from a podcast that I do on the side. It's called Executive Exercises where we take all our sponsors and they come into a think tank and share some awesome ideas about how to grow their business specifically on different topics. Go check that out. But I pulled some of the comments that they had explaining what they do and who they're looking for on their companies. And so if that sounds like you, like I said, click below. Hope you enjoy. So that's, the, yeah, and so, so money-wise, and it just seemed like it was going to be The leads, which I wanted to go back to that because you mentioned this, and that's another thing that maybe southwestern people don't understand is leads. That's kinda like you're saying basically imagine you show up to a town to sell books, you send a postcard out to every single family that has kids in school or young children asking them if they struggle with any of the following subjects, yes or no. (laughs) Would you be interested would you be interested in hearing about a product product that might help you with all those subjects, yes or no, name and address, and then you just waited at your HQ for like a couple weeks, and then you got in the mail like 700 people returning that postcard saying, come to my house. Here's where I live. Hi, are you the mom of the house? Yes,
2: and you've heard of you. Great. Yeah. Is this your handwriting, Miss Betty? Yeah, that's my handwriting. You got a few minutes. It's, again, you're not selling every single lead that you sit down with, but the leads is kind of what interested me because that that kind of anxiety feeling that I talked about at Southwestern yeah. and the anxiety I had with Family Heritage I honestly didn't think that was going to go away but it it has it's, it's gone away when I sold you know, I still had a little bit of anxiety but after that first knock it goes away but much less anxiety every week because I knew I have fresh leads coming in and so even if this day doesn't work out I know I got Typically, our agents will get anywhere from 25 to 50 leads a week of people that they can go and and call on.
0: I want people to understand what it is that you do, how you do it, why you do it, all of the good stuff. You hear a lot about coaching. You hear a lot about life coach, sales coach, business coach, yada, yada, coach, 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 coach.
3: Man, I think just to start off like what it isn't, it's not training. It's not showing up and having somebody talk at you for 45 minutes to an hour. And like the way that I look at it is we're all human beings. We're all broken in some capacity. And we all know a lot of the people that I work with, they know what they're supposed to be doing. They're just not executing on it or they're not doing it as intentionally as they should be um, or they're, they're just not focused. They have like 15 different goals or 15 different things that they're trying to balance or do. And because of that, like, they're not as intentional as they should be at home or they're not as intentional as they should be at work and they're not picking up the phone and calling people. And it's like, it's like having a personal trainer for your, your business. It's having intention on why we do what we do every day and creating clarity and helping to build our lives and our calendars around what our future goals and intentions are. That'll do for now. Like I said, make sure you click below to get some more information and
0: now back to the show.
1: So that was good, and so then, I, then I'm on, then you know, so then I go, so my first summer, I'm, I think I'm in um, Youngstown, Ohio, and, uh, you know, I found out they, they put me in what they call a blast-off headquarters, you know, and okay. so blast-off headquarters is, they definitely saw me and said, this kid's not making it.
0: Yeah, you know? you're going to go home.
1: You're going home. So they put me with the other two people they thought are going home, and we had a, a super, super great headquarters with three people who were who were already predetermined to go home. So the other two quit. Um, I'm sitting there, you know, I, I, I manage it through. Um, and so I, uh, I sell that summer. I have a pretty good summer. But, you know, towards the end of the summer, you start thinking about God, you know, because you're away from home. And that's generally what mm-hmm. happens. Your faith kind of comes into play. And so I went to the mosque and I met a guy named Nazif, you know, who was going to college in Youngstown, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, we stayed in touch over the years, you know, back and forth you know, and, uh, so after, after Southwestern, after the five summers, I went to go work with, uh, Tom James, uh, ah, you know, lovely. The, okay. The affiliate yeah. company, which is kind yeah. of an interesting story because they had a pretty good recruiting tactic. Um, um, and so <laughs> I'll tell you that, but so after that, um, you know, at Tom James, I worked there for about nine years, but two years into it, I told, um, my boss, Osh, I said, Osh, I want to run my own office, you know? And, uh, so they said, okay, do this, this, and this, you can run your own office. And so they gave me a chance to say, Hey, you know, San Diego or Toronto, you know, you can go to either of those places. And, um, so I went home, I said, mom, I have to go. I'm sorry. You know, I know, you know, I'm your favorite child, but I have to go. (laughs) So you choose, you tell me which one, which city She goes, I go Toronto or San Diego. She goes, San Diego. I said, okay, fine. I'm going to San Diego. So just as I moved to San Diego, I, um, Nazif, the guy I met on the book field, says, I have the perfect woman for you. And so he introduced me to my current wife, Tabassum, that I've been married to almost 25 years, you know, since 98.
0: Oh, man.
1: Right? So, you know, so, and then going into moving to San Diego, I met uh, a couple of years, right after I got married, I met my current business partner that we went into business wow. with in 2003. So back to the original origins is that it was some stupid decision, right? I'm sitting on a bench right. and yeah, I'll just join that club. And you can see that one thing, you know, kind of led just, me to exactly where I am today. And um, I always like thinking about, you know, those things. Cause I think we think we're making all these decisions, but sometimes the ones that you're not really thinking about are the ones that are really taking you where you want to go.
0: It's, it's incredible how life works that way. Um I read a I read a quote or I, it was a meme or something this morning and it was like in the movies when people go back in time to change the future like time travel movies it's yeah. a, like They go back, and then one little decision that the characters make in the past have big implications. And I mean, any movie in the past that you've seen, like just one little thing, and it changes the outcome. But and we totally would believe that. Like when we watch a time traveling movie, we think, Oh my gosh, absolutely, that's what changed the course of everything. But then it's funny because we're in the present now, making those decisions for our future that would have the exact same amount of impact, even in the littlest thing. And we don't think that a small decision today can make that big of an impact in the future. We're keen to believe it when it's a fantasy film about time travel. But when, if yeah. I but if you were to tell most people today that that's what they're doing with their decisions, with their choices, they won't believe it. Isn't that strange? Yeah.
1: It is strange. And, you know, it kind of comes back to, you know, the awareness, you know, and, and reflection, I think is a really big aspect, you know, that I've tried to, do a lot in my life is kind of reflect back, you know, and see how things mm-hmm. kind of play out because it's a really great way to educate yourself for the future.
0: Yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, it uh, a common theme that we've had over the course of all these episodes that people have said in one way or the other is one of the biggest things that they learn from Southwestern is to know themselves, which mm-hmm. is something most like successful people do a really good job about is knowing and being completely aware, like you said, awareness and reflection is a key to that. And so fantastic lesson to learn at a young age
1: it's a great lesson to learn i mean you know i always tell the people around here is that the greatest change around you is the greatest change within you that's where it starts first Mm, you know if you really think about it not a lot of things change you know the stock market the environment you know not a lot of things change the only thing that really changes is your perception of things so the greatest change is within you
0: yeah the 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 classic southwestern when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Yeah. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> so good. Exactly right. That's exactly right. Wow. So, well, so many questions about this. So um, I wanted to follow up on the story because we can get into okay. Southwestern details in a minute. But sure. I wanted to follow up on the story that you said about your recruitment with into Tom James. And then I have yes. a couple other follow-up questions too. Okay, perfect. Right so
1: what happened was, is I was, uh, you know, the Tom James, I mean, the Southwestern thing, they send you to the recruiter. I think, uh, I think it was Mark at the time. And, um, you know, they're like, hey, how you doing? You making a decision? And I'm like, I don't know, blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, um, they kind of move you into the directions they want. Obviously, you're kind of young and green. Yeah. And so <laughs> I just remember, I remember because I learned this after I got recruited, right, that they did the takeaway clothes, you know. So, yeah. but before they did the takeaway clothes, you know, they said, well, <laughs> they knew I had a big impact with my father was a big influence in my wife. I think they kind of figured that out. So Osh calls my dad, says, Hey, let's go have lunch, you know? And, uh, you know, so, you know, there we have lunch, you know, da, da, da. My dad, this Osh gives him this cheap, probably cost him $2 or nothing tied to my dad. My dad's all excited, you know? And, uh, it's called the law of reciprocity, I guess, you know, So after the lunch, my dad's like, I think you should join them. I'm like, you know, dad, you know, you got me to go sell books door-to-door with a phone call with Mike Holesley. You sell me off to Osh for a freaking tie. I mean, geez, you know, do I have any value in this world? (laughs) like, come on, you know. And so I was still vacillating a little bit. And then Mark says, well, they don't want you anymore. And you tell any book guy, you know, or gal, hey, they don't want you anymore. I mean, talk about the ego popping and go, what do you mean they don't want me? Tell them I'm coming. And that's kinda of how Tom James got me because they did the takeaway close, you know. So
0: if, if people are taking notes as full timers right now, taking yeah. this is yeah.
1: <laughs> They they have all the tricks in the bag, guys. Don't worry, you know. So
0: <laughs> they know what they're doing. And they know oh, what man. they're doing. And so, okay, so that's that. I love that story. The next, if I if I if I ever need you to be on the show again, I'll just offer your dad like a cool T shirt, pointy yeah. T shirt, <laughs> get you back. <laughs> um, so with with Biscayne Hospitality, tell me about. So you met your your part or your business partner, hmm. and how did you?
1: How did it kind of, form walk, wa-
0: yeah. Walk me through yeah. the story of like, how that, okay. kind of that form. And also if you could, as you're going, if you, if you can, at some point, the differences that you learn from building a business from scratch versus just running your business when you're selling books, when a lot of things are already in systems are already in place. So okay. if you could give us kind of the, that perspective on it. All right. If I get off track, kind
1: back. of bring me back so I can. Address oh yeah.
0: That's, that's what I'm here for. We're here to listen right. to you. So, and nobody cares about what I'm saying. So <laughs> when I, you know,
1: when I went to San Diego, um, you know, you know, it was always pretty well known that for many, many years, even at Tom James, you know, I I made it pretty clear that I've always had an ambition to run my own business. I mean, that was kind of even when they were recruiting me, that was part of the. So, you know, we uh, when I came into town, um, you know, again, altruistic motives tend to also pay off for you. I said, you know, I'm getting married, my wife's going to come to town, I got to probably get to know some people who are not single and partying all the time, I should probably get, you know, involved in some type of community. So I I got involved with a mosque that was just developing in town, you know, and that's where I had kind of met some people. And I felt like, okay, you know, if the Boston can meet and, you know, kind of have this community to start with, because she's moving so far away from Canada, it's better to try to get her, you know, some people that she can get to know and, you know, quickly, so she doesn't, you know, miss home as much. So from there, I met uh, one of my business partners, Mahmud, and uh, his brother, um, Hatham, and we had started uh, a new mosque. We had built, you know, we'd started a new center. And, you know, that was in 2003. And uh, it, we started a little bit sooner, excuse me, we started around, I met him in around 99, 2000. We started a new center in 2001. And right around 2002, I told him, I said, hey, you know, I really want to start my own deal. I want to, you know. And I'm looking at this medical supply store. So I had already started kind of doing some research in San Diego. And he said, hey, you know, um, that's funny, you know, because I was looking for his advice. He said, we're looking at starting a business ourselves. You know, my brother and I, why don't Ooh. you join us? And I said, "Huh, oh, kind of nice. Um, which was appealing because they were senior executives. They were really, uh, you know, well-funded. I mean, they were, they were great partners to learn a lot from and also had some financial backing, you know, for, for what it takes to do a business. So we, we went into, uh, we bought some retail stores in San Diego that we knew nothing about, you know, wacky wicker is what they were called. My wife made fun of me. She goes, why are you buying furniture? store? Well, you know, nothing about it. You know, that has nothing to do with you know, your experience as oh, we will figure it out. Bookman mentality, right? We'll figure it out. We'll make it out. Three
0: positives. Honey, yeah. Hey, yeah. <laughs> we'll do it.
1: Um, so we, uh, when we bought those, uh, businesses, uh, which is great in, and I remember about we acquired them in August of 2003. And by December of 2003, I was going nuts sitting in a retail store. I just couldn't do it. I mean, selling bookstore to door knocking on doors and at Tom James going out and seeing executives, I mean, doing everything to proactively get business, the retail side of it just definitely did not, bear well with me right? i was just going nuts yeah.
0: it's too passive
1: and so i i told my partner i said listen you know uh, one of the unique things about this business is they were buying furniture directly from factories in asia not through distributors in the u.s right so there's kind of this so there's sometimes retail stores will buy from companies who who stock the furniture in the u.s and they just pull the inventory this particular lady was pretty smart. She was buying furniture directly from the factories and importing it herself. So that was kind of the advantage. So by December, I told I told my uh, partner, I said, listen, I can't do this. I've got to go see what is going on at the factories. i got to see what's happening. So we went to China, you know, um, all dressed up in my Tom James suits, which is silly as hell. Okay. They don't care for that. Uh, you know, sleeping without a net, which killed me you know tons of mosquito bites you know that's how ignorant i was but anyways china was okay but then we went to the philippines and i went to the factory and and they said um i said and they were already manufacturing furniture for hotels you know whether it's in europe and in some parts of the united states and so the the furniture business that we had bought was all specific like rattan you know the hawaiian rattan furniture you know that okay. you see yeah. in Hawaii and kind of the resorts and so i said well look you know can you make anything like anything I want? Like, you know, you show them pictures. Yeah, we can make, can you, okay, we can make all that. That's awesome. So I said, okay, that's great. That's very good. You can make it. And you're already supporting hotels. Okay. That's good. So I came back to uh, San Diego, joined the hotel motel association, right. And uh, followed up with my first client uh, for a little hotel in San Diego, 17 room boutique hotel. And we did all the furniture manufacturing for that little renovation on Coronado Island here in San Diego.
0: Oh, nice.
1: And so that was kind of our first foray. And then every day that I was going to that property, because I said, look, I'm going to only focus on one hotel project because I want to learn this business. I'm not going to do anything else. I'm just going to do this one hotel project. And I gave myself 12 months to do it. And the retail was doing the retail thing, you know, kind of whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. And every day I I would look across the street to the Hotel Del Coronado, which anyone who knows... Uh, hotel del point it 's one of the most historic hotels in uh mm-hmm. in the in the nas- in the country right it 's one of the most historically known hotels i 'd always think oh one day i 'm going to do that one day i 'm going to do that so but anyways after after doing that one hotel we got another couple small projects and that 's about when the housing project uh the housing market dropped two thousand eight two thousand and nine mm-hmm. and so retail was was decimated so we you know, I went, I was, you know, crying to my mom. Of course, you're feeling like miserable because you're, you just have to sell off your business yeah. uh, for Wacky Wicker. She said, don't cry. You got it. And uh, in the meanwhile, we had formed Biscayne Hospitality right around the same time. I said, we're going to separate the retail from the hospitality. And that's exactly when it happened. So 2000, by two end of 2006, <laughs> retail was dying. 2007, we were just starting the hospitality side, of it. you know. And uh, so that was kind of the saving grace. We took the, what you call the diamond out of the rough, you know, uh, to kind of say, okay, we're going to get rid of retail and we're going to focus on custom hospitality manufacturing. And I ended up doing the Hotel Dell, you know, about a year and a half. I was I ended up doing it. Nice. That. And that put a big feather in our cap, which kind of helped us start uh, becoming, having a national presence on that, you know, on that market, you know but i do so remember that was,
0: that was like the big mom of the house that was like the the principal of the of. The,
1: <laughs> that's right that that was kind of your you know that was the the principal of the school if you're talking about southwestern right yeah. hey he bought
0: the, you know, kind of, yeah know. that was the principal um, and the cop that's right <laughs> everyone bought it, the principal you know? and a the cop they both bought oh man
1: <laughs> i just remember what i do remember though is that um if we're talking about you know, the people out there who are wanting to do this. I just remember that in 2007 as I was kind of going through this, you know, nine ten, kind of as we were fight, fighting through this crisis and uh, it kind of dragged on to 2012, I just remember um, we were kind of about a couple months, maybe 30 days, maybe 60 days, maybe even less of cash to operate even the current business, Biscayne Hospitality, you know. And, and I do remember... And I'm being transparent because I want people to learn from this. It's not because I'm talking about, you know, anything other than the transparency so people can learn that. I do remember um, going back. and there's two lessons I learned out of that time frame. I remember that in 2000, uh, right around 2011, 12, we were very ready to close the business. Um, I just remember going home and saying, okay, we're going to have to, honey, we're going to have to sell our house, you know, get rid of the big house we had. We're going to move into anything we can. And I remember looking at whatever money I had, which I think I had like maybe 140,000 in in some reserves, 401k money, and I said, okay, if I have if I have, I can survive one year with that, you know, we'll downsize our house, and I can survive one year on that income, right? And I had two little kids, Mm -hmm. and and I said, okay, I can do that. I will, you know, it's and the reason the reason I'm sharing that is because it just reminds me that you have to get to that level of commitment sometimes to really achieve what you want you know so once i was ready to throw it all in right yeah that's, that's kind of the commitment. that's the bottom right you're like okay i'm yeah. you know i'm giving up the house i'm giving up the you know i'm going to use whatever savings i have i'm committed to whatever you know needs to happen you know yeah cuz that's
0: the yeah. That's like a bet on your future. If you yep. if it's a hundred forty thousand dollar gamble on the future, because if it doesn't work, not only are you out of money, but you're also out of future money. <laughs> that's your retirement, that's your net worth in the like when you when you want to retire, that's all gone. On the other hand, if the bet works, which it seems like it did, uh, which you know, of course it did, that paid off and you won you won big on the other and So it's a high risk, high reward at that point. But that's complete Absolutely. commitment to to yourself, yeah. and what you can do.
1: Yeah, you that's have amazing. to and you know and you just kind of remember you kind of like, well, you know, a lot of people try to think about all the potential possibilities when they start a business or go off on their own, right? But the reality is is the one you don't think about is the one that's going to kill you, you know.
4: That's and funny. so
1: you kind of have to remember that you're not going to plan it out. You know, that's not the way it works. You're not going to be able to plan every event. What you have to remember is that you have to have the confidence that when you get there You'll figure it out. Yeah. And a lot of people tend to um, hesitate because, you know, success doesn't always come in the way you think it's going to come, right? Sometimes you have this plan, okay, well, I'm going to go knock on these three, you know, whatever. You And if it doesn't work out that way, you kind of maybe give up or think you're not going to make it, but it, never give up, you know, because success may, will, will always happen, but not in the way that you think it will happen. And I think yeah. that's an important aspect for people
0: to think about. Oh, I'm glad you mentioned that, too. That, that's such a wise uh, piece of advice that, you know, it, it it helps you understand to be fluid but committed. Right. And you can be both, right? You can be both if you have a goal and you're chasing it. But the goalposts change sometimes. And that's okay. That's okay. You're still heading in the right direction. Yep. It's just that maybe the goalposts just shifted a little bit. Um, And, and, and just you see, I mean, yeah. being prepped.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you're a captain of a ship and you want to go from New York to London, you may have to take a detour on the storm, but you're still going to get to London, right? I mean, you just have to have that level of commitment of getting there.
0: Right. And I love what you said too, it's you can't prepare for every you can't plan every possible scenario, right? The have you have you uh, have you read the book called The Black Swan?
1: No. <laughs> it talks
0: about it talks about the things that happen that really change history are usually things that people never expected. The pandemic right right, 9-11, things like that, at least American history anyway with that regard. But the pandemic for the world history, right, nobody saw that coming. And it's because it's the thing that nobody saw coming that it had such a giant impact. So the trick is not to be prepared for everything, but to, like you said, just be confident. I love that you said that. Be confident that you're going to be able to handle it when it happens. Ah, that's so good. That's so good.
1: Well, there's only three reasons why people change, right? I mean, you know, Yeah, is, you know, you just get up one day and decide to change, which is hard, right? Number two is someone says you have to change, you know, you know, like, hey, you know, you're going to change. And number three, a catastrophic event makes you change, you know, and personally, I'd rather decide to change than have things forced upon me to be changed. So, you know, you know, that is that is something that I, I, I like to do is to always think about how I can change, how I can improve, how I can do something different. Uh, because I don't want someone to tell me, you know, what I need to be doing different or be forced to do something. And I and I learned that lesson uh, as a kidney transplant. You know, I'm one of those
0: too. Oh, oh my gosh.
1: Yep. Like, tell me about that. That's what? what? So in 2008, you know, as everything's crashing, I mean, just imagine the stress oh, level here. You know? um, I'm told that I have to have a kidney transplant. And so I go in the hospital, you know, And uh, I have a really great brother-in-law who kind of volunteered to give me his kidney. And it's from a birth defect, Andreas. So it kind of reared its head right at 38. But I just remembered in the hospital bed going, you know, the the, why me? Have you been to that? Mm -hmm. Why me? You know, why me? Why not her? Why not them? Why does this happen Mm -hmm. to me? What, you know?
0: Of course, me. Why me? Yeah.
1: Why me? Why me? Why did I get my, you know, why did someone shut that door? Why am I not selling? Why, you know, all these pity things that we have that go through. I, I remember going through that. Um, and I remember right after I went through my little pity session, I remember the doctor coming in and saying, Hey, you know what? Um, this is the worst rejection we've ever seen. And, you know, your mind's blowing at this time. Like, (laughs) Well, what does that mean? Well, we'll have to take the kidney out. We don't know what to do. I mean, this is terrible, right? I mean, you know, black, you know, uh, like black death. I mean, just terrible, terrible news, you know? And... so I just remember. I remember very clearly at that point. I said, you know, I need to be grateful. I need to be grateful that I had the opportunity to get this kidney, and I started thanking that opportunity. I started thanking the kidney to be there. I started thanking my body for accepting it. I started doing. I started turning my attitude around around that whole, you know. And a week later, you know, we're good. You know, and here I am. You know, so. Oh my God. I think it's kind of, you know, always taking the, that everything bad that happens, there's always a great reason why it happens. So I I do believe that everything that happens to us is for good reason. Um, And if I didn't have that situation, I believe that I'd probably be in much worse health because now I have to watch my health more than I did before. Right. Uh, And sometimes we don't realize the benefit of things until later, but it's always good to reflect back and say, you know, that was the best. I believe everything that happens is for for
0: our best reasons yeah uh i love that yeah it, it reminds me of the horseradish story have you heard of that horseradish no, there's a dad and is a kid and a dad and they're working for a farm so they own this house but they don't own the farm right. and they're working at this farm it's a radish farm and it, it's like in china i think or something and anyway so uh they have one horse and the dad's do, kinda, i've
1: heard this i actually you know, had
0: it. Yeah. Dad, yeah. Yeah, great story The dad's injured the horse uh gets it runs away and so right. the kid goes and tells his dad hey the horse ran away it's this is terrible and the dad's like i don't know i can't tell if it's good or bad that's There's right good time that's the right. horse comes back has a bunch of horses with him that's right. he went and rallied horses the kid's like oh my gosh we can be rich we can just breed horses we're going to be rich dad oh my gosh and then uh the all the horses die or something and then the kid's like i can't tell if this is good or bad yet like for right. everything good and bad that was happening perceivably good or bad and it's, it ends up with eventually uh the kid ends up avoiding death because of all these circumstances to that's shorten right. the story but it's kind of that same idea where it's like
1: it's not good or bad it's
0: just life and just you know life. maybe it's just everyone has to look at it
1: yeah but everyone yeah. has something whether it's you know and it just comes in different faces so it's not really the problem that's the problem it's how you view it and how you attend to it—that's really what the issue is. Yeah.
0: Oh, this is so good! Thank you so much for sharing this. We're crushing it here. This is so fun. Um, I hope well, I'm not talking
1: too much, Andreas. Yeah.
0: Nah, you're doing no. great. This is awesome. I, as long as you're having fun, I—I'm having. Good. Fun. If, you get, if you get bored, you tell me. We can end it. But i am having a blast here. No, no, I'm, um, I'm having. Fun. Let me let me ask you this. So I pulled this up. <clears throat> let me put it on the screen. Okay, this is your Instagram story. Is this correct? Is that I go to the right. Yeah. Place? yeah. So
1: okay. getting back to yeah, okay. So, uh, so again what are I you feel like up I've now? <laughs>
0: Oh no, it's good. I'll I'll guide you. So so what is, what does Biscayne Hospitality look? Like? I mean, we started again in this you know small one hotel in San Diego. What what does twenty twenty two look like for you guys? And I do have a follow up question about how you survive COVID because the hotel okay. industry took such a yeah. dump. But yeah, okay. we'll we'll get to that. What is what does twenty two look like for you guys now? Because this isn't ins- like this is so. We're doing
1: beautiful. we're doing great. I mean, uh, you know, we we uh, we run. <laughs> many many projects a month we we run uh, uh-huh. anywhere from caribbean to hawaii um and we manufacture the hotel furniture lobby furniture some public space furniture for mostly boutique hotels all across the country okay you know? so this so is like the higher end higher end nice four five star boutique hotels uh and we have a whole team and uh production quality control team, you know, project management team that helps execute these projects from concept to wow. to delivery.
0: Look at this. Yeah. is incredible if you guys are just listening if you're on uh, on the audio only you guys can tune in to our spot on spotify you can check out the video or on youtube if you want to check this out later or just go visit basking hospitality on instagram uh 32 minutes in and you guys can see the screen i'm sharing if it's just audio only but this is some beautiful furniture that you guys have on look at philip well,
1: I yeah i mean we it's all pretty cool we've done like petco park here we've done some of their higher-end spaces you know We've done things in uh, Miami, we've done things in Hawaii, the Caribbean, you know, all over the country. Uh, if you pull the drawer, if you're ever staying at a hotel and you decide to spend a little bit more money, and if it says Biscayne Hospitality on the nightstand, that's us.
0: Oh, my gosh. Wait, hold on. I have a question. This is sure. maybe we need to talk about this behind when we're not recording. But if I was to go to a Padres game. Yeah. Is, do you guys have the hookup there? Do you have? Is, I do, do have I?
1: season tickets. Just come on down. Any, we're right behind home <laughs> base. <laughs> Where were anytime you, you this last
0: postseason? I should have. We should have had you on here in July so I could have yeah. caught some games in the in the playoffs. If you
1: anytime you want, Andreas, you're welcome. I'd love to you know take you out there. I don't have to be with you. You can take you and your significant other, whatever you want. You got two tickets. Anytime you want.
0: No, I'm gonna go see Fernando. Well, unfortunate for what happened with him, but uh, yeah, yeah. But you know, Manny Soto, I'm gonna yeah. I'm in, anytime, I'm, I'm gonna anytime. go. <laughs> did, did you get to go to the postseason games?
1: Uh, I didn't uh, go to any of the postseason games. Um, I was thinking about it. I didn't. Um, oh man, I kind of cut it off right before. I I didn't think they were gonna make it. I was kind of yeah, not really. Kinda, you know, we beat so the Dodgers. Act. You know, the problem is, is I have these season tickets and the truth is, is out of all the games, you know, my team here, I mean, we use probably 20, 20 of the games and the rest of them don't be, you know, and so I'm like, eh. so it's kind of a mistake for not me doing that. But, you know, I was just looking at, are we really using them and should I spend the extra, you know, thousands of dollars to buy the postseason tickets? And I was like, eh, you know, so I'm okay. a fan, but I'm not a crazy fan.
0: Okay, that's fine. That's okay. I'll be the crazy fan in your step okay. when we all when right, i go. just it, it's just a it's just a flight to from Portland to San Diego can't be that much. I'll be super
1: there. easy. Probably <laughs> if you buy an advance probably 100 bucks. Oh, I'll be there. I'm so
0: there. You have no idea how committed. Okay, I'd to
1: love this. to see you. Come on down.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. So, okay, all right, sorry. It's total tangent there. Okay, back to back to some stuff about what you guys are up to. So, um I, I imagine like I, I kind of alluded to this the 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 covid era had to have been a little Maybe scary, or I don't know. Was it scary for you guys? As you were, since all the hotels kind of took a pause and said, "Whoa, um, was that? What was that like for you guys? And how did you like navigate through this this uncertainty period for I mean, still even two years now?" Yeah,
1: I mean, so look, you know, <laughs> you remember that time when we're ready to close business, you know, <laughs> back in two thousand ten and one twelve.
4: Yeah, right.
1: right. <laughs> you learn from that, right? I mean, every experience that you have in life. You know, if you have a big goal in life, if you have a big dream, then you have to believe that everything that happens to you is preparing you for that big goal, right? Mm-hmm. So when, when, when 2010, 11, 12 hit, I'm like, okay, well, I guess I have to learn how to manage this if I want to hit my big goal, right? And then when COVID hits, you're like, okay, I learned a lot from there. I'm going to apply some of those principles. But in order for me to hit my goal, I probably have to manage an event like this, you know. And so Mm -hmm. you always believe that everything that happens is kind of a preparation to the bigger goal, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. But the way the way it kind of worked out is, you know, the reality is, is uh, we had to, you know, we had to lay off like four people, which is, you know, Mm -hmm. about 20 percent of the team. Um, We the partners decided that, look, we don't need to pay ourselves for the next year or two. So we scaled back on that and we kept a big part of our team. We kept 80% of our team and we had so much momentum going into 2020. It worked out 2021 was soft a little bit, you know, Uh, but we run it lean and uh, we don't, you know, we're not, I guess we're not, you know, we don't, we don't waste money and on silly things. And then in 2022, it's come back really strong. We had, you know, we're going to have one of our best years ever. So It's just a matter of, you know, making sure you're, you have some, some reserves, I guess, when you're building business, you know, just like for your personal, you always got to have reserves for your business, you know? And I do remember, I I do remember that my wife was telling me since January of 2020, like, dude, you don't see this thing coming. I'm like, eh, again, bookman mentality. Oh, well, whatever, you know, and uh, I should listen to her more uh, for out there for who for all those who don't listen to her spouses or significant others listen to them. Um, so by March first, we started seeing some of that, and I, and I remember telling my business partner we had a lunch, I said, "Draw every cent from our line of credit, pull it right now mm. and put it in reserves in addition to what we had. so that was kind of the lucky break is that we pulled the reserves. Uh, because I was afraid of, you know, the lockdown on credit, right. Banks, you know, remember yeah. back. Then? And so I just pulled that to kind of keep in a reserve. So we have enough of a runway to manage what was going to happen through, through the COVID, uh, timeframe.
0: Wow. Well, that's good leadership. That's phenomenal leadership right there. Well, it's good listening. At
1: least I wouldn't say it's leadership. But it's good listening from my, you know, for my wife.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot of it though. Good. A good, a good leader, uh, uh, takes advisors and counsel. Well, that's true. So That's great. That's true. That's good stuff. That's so, okay. And actually, and this is good too. Uh, I had Nick kind of explain this a little bit too, but it's because I've been in the insurance industry before for people who are listening like, how do you make 115% commission?
2: The way I explain it to people is the insurance companies we represent. So we're a broker, all these companies we work with, they know they're not really going to be making any money off the sales that I make for the first several years but they don't care right. about that. They, they know these clients are going to be on the books for 10, 15, 20, 25 years. So they know they're going to make money over the long haul. And so part of the reason agents are able to make so much is there's all these companies out here and they're all competing for, for my, the broker's business because these companies don't actually have their own in-house sales force. They have independent contractors. And so if, if their compensation or their commission levels that they offer aren't competitive, I'm not going to place any business with them.
0: Hero, hero, off schedule moment. Wanted to tell you about Southwestern real estate. They're 99% drama free, only 99, not 99.9. 9, so it's a bit spicy. Kind of like this episode. Anyway, they will learn you to kick ass at real estate. So make sure you guys click the link below, get in touch with them. Okay, back to work. Bye. What's uh, what's the North Star? I mean, you guys are here in 22. One of the best years you guys have ever had. Been in business for 14, 15 years. Mm-hmm. What's, what's the next 15 look like for you guys?
1: Well, the next 15, you know, we plan to at least double what we're doing today, you know, so that would be part of the primary goal. One of the we also have in 2020, again, again, I'm being very transparent. We actually started a logistics company, too, because I was twiddling my my thumbs a little bit, you know, on uh, in COVID during hospitality. So we invested in a logistics company to start managing all the products that we're bringing in from overseas we're not going to do it third party anymore. We're doing it through our logistics company. So we kind of created that business Whoa. too, to kind of, you know, start what you call vertically integrating some of the, some of the work, you know, so that's been going pretty well. So I'm hoping that'll kind of improve and take off over time, but, uh, and that's called certain logistics. But what, what, uh, what the plan is for me is look in the next four years, I really would prefer, to be out of the operational game of our business i don't want to be in the operations as much i really want the team to kind of rise up and take over the operational side of the business you know and i don't want to be doing that as much i want to work on the strategic side you know that's kind of the goal for me and you know it gets to the you know at 50 it gets to the question is how big is big how much is a much you know i mean i ran a calculator i mean look i mean for all those out there, I mean, if you have a goal to have $10 million, I don't know if you realize that you could draw $27,000 a month for the next 30 years of your life with no return on that money and drain it out. You'd have to take 30 years to drain out $300,000 a year if you invested none of it. Yeah. So you can't ask yourself, well, what's enough, right? What do I really need? You know, am I going to eat any different way? Am I going to live in any different house? Am I going to really drive any different cars? Uh, So that's been a lot of my thinking, you know, in terms of so whatever growth Mm. and whatever the business does is not so much personally related in terms of my lifestyle or what I have to do. It's really more about I love I love the aspect of helping people. I love watching people grow and develop personally and professionally and 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 watching them develop and grow. And, And our company has been more of a platform for that than furniture. I mean, I get more enjoyment out of helping people grow and develop and seeing their potential than I do on delivering a project. I mean, that's the truth. I really enjoy watching people
0: grow. That's really cool. I, I, that's and that's a good, that's a cool place to be in your life where you're, you're trying to think of the the next part of your goal setting has to do with uh, enjoying uh, passing the baton. That has to be a, a really fun place to be. So, uh, congratulations! That's so yeah. Awesome.
1: Well, that is that is the goal. I mean, it's hard to do. I mean, you know, it's like giving up your baby. You know, I mean, yeah. You know, it's very difficult to do, and it takes a lot of uh, awareness. You know, to say no. You got to let go of that. You got to trust. You know, I mean, you got to trust they'll do it. Yeah. I mean, the old adage is: "Is look, if they can do it ninety percent as well as you can do it, but saves you a hundred percent of your time, so be it."
0: You know. go for it. Yeah,
1: go for it. That's phenomenal. And, uh, and so, you know, you really it is hard to do. And it takes a lot of work to let go of that. Um, but, you know, I enjoy being a coach. I love uh, I love uh, coaching uh, 19 to 35 year olds in terms of things that I would have liked to know or mindset things or philosophical things that would have really helped me more at that age. So I really want to spend more time and doing those type of things along alongside with the team members that I have doing more of that, you know, that, like I said, that you can see it in my voice. It gives me such enjoyment. You know, I believe a business to do well guys, it's not about my pocketbook, a real business in my business, a definition of a really great business is a business that can benefit everyone. Right. So not only benefits you, it benefits your team members. It benefits your suppliers. It benefits your customers. It benefits everyone. And not just you, you know, uh, and so we even have a foundation that, you know, we even pay for the kids to go to school at the factories because the laborers don't make enough. Uh, the people making furniture don't make enough to send all their kids to school. So we pay for that, even though we don't own the factories, wow. we pay for them to go to school because we believe that that is a big part of what we, you know, our mission is to make sure that our success is everyone's success.
0: That is so cool. That is not – I can't think of any other company that I know of that is doing something like that where you're paying it forward to the people that manufacture your goods. That's so cool.
1: Yeah. I mean it's important. I mean look. They have lives. They have dreams. They have to eat. They have kids. I mean just like you, why are they any different? And if you're in a position to help them, you should. It never – you know, generosity and charity never takes away from your own pocketbook. As much as it may feel like it does, it never does.
0: I love that. That is so. That is so cool. Congratulations. Yeah. That is biscayne hospitality again, guys. Go check it out on Instagram. <laughs> and and uh, I wanted to ask you a couple of things uh, sure. before we go into some southwestern stuff. But dealing with business from um, maybe uh, from a standpoint of if if someone's out there starting a business that you, that you that they're maybe nervous about from a, like they got the sales part down. They're book kids. They know how to do the sales part. What would what are some suggestions as far as maybe the non tangible stuff that we didn't get taught about, like the legal side of things, or the accounting side of things, or the uh, the the logistic systems building type of thing? Any 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 words of advice on how to best go through that or learn about that, or the books that you read, or people that you got coached from, or anything like that?
1: Uh, I have to think about it. But look, the reality is is you know all that stuff works out. You know you figure that out. You know like the how to stuff. You know, I mean, Just believe that will happen. Right? What what doesn't work out as well is if you're not thinking through the key elements of your success, which would be number one, is you have to have the financial wherewithal. Most people fail in business because they don't have the financial wherewithal. Look, I told you my personal story, right? I mean, you kind of have to be able to make it, you know. It's never a product or an environment or market or all the things that people like to tell you. It really is just a matter of time. Right. And when you hear that education is the most, you know, business is the most expensive education. That's what they're saying. It takes time and sometimes investment and takes losses and takes. Oh, crap. You know, I, I can't do that again. Right. So most businesses, in my opinion, fail not because of the idea or the effort. It's because they don't the person comes home at night and they can't pay their mortgage or they can't pay their lighting bill. And so you're almost forced to give up, right? Like, Hey, you know, and go get a job. So whenever you start a business, make sure you have enough runway for at least a year to year and a half or two years outside of your own business investment. I mean, imagine if you didn't have to worry about bills for a couple of years, how would that look? you wouldn't, you'd be fine, right? You wouldn't worry about it, right? Yeah. The second thing is make sure you have a supportive partner, right? Uh, I have, a I had a great partner to help me, you know, she managed the kids, she supported me 100%. She didn't want the, you know, the super high-end stuff at that point, you know what I mean? I mean, she mm-hmm. really supported, you know, what I had to do and what I was trying to accomplish and made those sacrifices. So I think that's important, right? And if you're going to have partners, I would tell you, Make your, what I call, oh shit agreements before you start the business. So my Mm -hmm. partners and I made a lot of agreements like, well, if it doesn't work out, what are we going to do about it? Now, you know, how are we going to arrange that? If one wants to get out, how do we arrange that? If, you know, so we really made a lot of arrangements of the, you know, if things don't work out, how what are we going to do today while we're in our normal senses and agree to that and make sure that's in writing? You see, because once you're in the moment, you know, just like you're having a disagreement, it's very difficult to come to agreement because the emotions and, you know, I did more than you. And I mean, you get all into this, all this stuff. But the reality is, is you have to have agreements with your partners prior to embarking on the business to have all your scenarios, as many as you think of, worked out. You You don't get it once. You are not doing your fair share. How do we address that? What's the mechanism for that? Right, Uh, your wife wants to get involved in the business. How do we, you know, how do we, how do we deal with that? Right. So you got to kind of work out all your scenarios that could take you off track, and just make sure you have a solid written agreement with your partners. Oh, oh yeah, we talked about that. Okay, here's what we agreed to. Okay, got it. We're good. And so just make sure that you're doing some of those things. Um, Hiring an accountant, you know, I mean, the basic business things, right? I mean, look, you know. If you have a lot of good strengths, try to get people who, ha- who can help offset your weaknesses. You know, I mean, that's a big part mm. of it. Uh, a lot of times people will go into people business with people they have strengths with. Well, why? Because they get along. Because they both have the same strengths. You see? But in yeah. a business, that doesn't always work, right? So don't always go into business with people who have who you love and who are great and we're best buddies because you're best buddies because you have the same strengths. That's generally what's attracting you to each other. Right? So you maybe want to think about people who can complement what you're doing. You may not agree with them on how they communicate, and they may not be the greatest salesperson, in the world, but who cares? You are. They are really good with the numbers. they're good with the operational stuff. They're good with other things that complement what you need to do. So in my arrangement, I ne- they never questioned me on the sales end of the business, and I really didn't hmm. question them too hard on the operational side of the business, because, you see? And that's how we were yeah. able to kind of stay in our own lanes.
0: Oh, that's brilliant. It's a brilliant piece of advice right there. Just walking through all the scenarios when you like each other, when you're not at each other's throats, because there will be, we're not, not guaranteed, but there could be a day where not good.
1: <laughs> well, here's what happens. Let me tell you in partnerships. I'll tell you what happens. In the beginning, money is the most important value, right? When you're in a partnership, right? The money, right. The money person is the most important person, right? But over time, knowledge becomes the most important person. You see? Mm-hmm. So if you have a partner that just gives you the money and you're doing all the work, there'll come a time within you know, a few years where you're like, okay, that partner's not adding any value anymore because I know what to do and we're already making money. So how do you view that partner now? Useless. <laughs> exactly. And that's where the disagreements start. So just remember oh, sure. that when you have partners, right, that again, I don't want to repeat my, but money's the no, most important, great. but knowledge, knowledge is the trumping factor in a business partnership over time.
0: Brilliant. Oh, that is, this is gold. This is the kind of stuff that you don't really hear other places. I don't feel like I don't, you know, people oh, you know, we work hard, study hard, be coachable. Got it. But then what happens when real life happens, when your partner decides, Hey, you know, I, you know, I gave you my money. That was my value.
1: <laughs> you got nothing Hey, I'm making all the sales. I'm bringing in all the revenue and we're profitable. What, what are you doing now? And don't forget that. Don't forget that without them, you wouldn't be where you are today. And it's a very easy thing to forget. You know, once you start making your own money and you're, and you're feeling successful, you can't get people who got you there.
0: Right now. And I guess this is the last question I'll ask you about business stuff. I lost the you there one, but... for Andreas. Oh, are we good? Are we back? Oh, we might can you be I might have. Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Are we back? Okay. Okay, I think we might have lost. Let's see. Uh, okay, cool. We're both in. We're both back. Are we all good?
1: Um, I think you can hear me, but I lost you for a second there, you know? Um, okay. I was just talking about don't forget about how important the money person is when you start having success, because remember there's, you know, I have five mentors in my life and and my business partners that helped me get to where I am today. And even today I call them, you know, they're like 70 years old and thank you so much. You know, and they're like, thank you, John. We appreciate, you You know, they have to hear, you know, how important they are to you and um, they have to know that they had value to you. And uh, I think it's super important to not forget, people who
0: help you get to where you are today yeah 100 um i was i wanted to uh ask you one last question about business, and then we can get into self and stuff uh words of advice on finding because at the beginning you started you mentioned like making sure you have the revenue or like the 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 runway that you mentioned it um i mean uh, investors tips on how to prepare your business to you know be uh you know to be invested on and any, 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 any advice that you learned from that standpoint of like, if you're going to start and you need to go, rather, you know, go gather money, um, do's and don'ts for that. Any, any advice on that?
1: You know, we didn't have to do that uh, too much because again, my partners and I kind of, you know, put in all our money, you know, oh, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, but we didn't have to chase, but I would tell you that, look, it's, it's very tempting and you see this all the time where people who start businesses start ramping up their expenses way too fast. You know, they have to get the Amex Platinum card the first year. Well, you don't need that, you know, really. Or, you know, you don't need to be dining out at the most expensive places because, you know, you feel like the business is paying for it, you know. Uh, You can still share a room with your business partners if you have to, right? I mean, there's all these things, you know, that, you know, that you learn from the book field to kind of manage your expenses. That does not go away, you know, when you start a business, you know, just because you own a business doesn't mean it's an open, open till, Right. It means you have to be even more cautious with how you're spending money because it's very important. The other tip I would give you when you start a business, it's very tempting when you get into things and you have a little bit of momentum. Most businesses don't die from starvation. They die from indigestion. Okay, And what that means is people tend to get distracted. They tend to get, oh, well, you know, we got a little bit of revenue here. Let me go try this venture. Let me go try that venture. Let me go invest in this. And the reality is, is, that creates indigestion, right? Which means you're taking on too much, you know, stay focused in your lane, uh, stay focused where you want. And, and the analogy I would give you here is as a child, do you, do you have a kid yet, Andreas? Not yet. Okay. No. Well, I have two little kids and anyone out there listening who has kids. Do you remember when your kids were like little four or five, six years old, where, you know, they get up and they'd say, dad, can we go to Disneyland? Like, yeah, we'll go sometime. And then one minute later, like, Dad, can I have a lollipop? Like, oh, yeah, okay. And then, like, 30 seconds, are like, Dad, can we go to the park? Right. I mean, all within a span of a couple minutes, they had many wants. Okay. Yeah. You remember that? Even you doing yeah, that. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. In my right. Nephews and I think stuff. Yeah. But <laughs> I think as adults, we don't get away from that habit. Right. The moment we get up, well, we want a new car, we want a new girlfriend, we want this, we want that, all within a few minutes. And so when people say, well, how do you make your goals? Well, it's because we don't don't allow ourselves to get rid of that minutia and say, I'm going to focus on one or two things that I really want. Okay? We tend to start dreaming and, you know, things, all these different wants. But the reality is, is stay focused on what you really want, you know? And the old saying is, if you don't know what you really want, why would anyone else give it to you? You know, I mean, the reality, Ooh, yeah. right? Ooh, that's
0: good. Write that down, kids.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, I can tell you that most people I talk to, and if I ask this question, Andreas, is if you worked really, really hard at something, you didn't give up, you really persisted, okay? Right? And you yeah. really, really wanted it. Can you tell me in your lifetime you didn't get it? no exactly remember yeah. that remember that principle that whatever we really really want not what we think about for the you know the 30 the 30 million things we want before coffee what we really want okay we work hard towards it we dedicate our energies toward it and we don't give up can you can you look back in your life and say you know what i didn't get it and i can tell yeah. you the answer is no i've gotten everything i really really wanted mhm so I'm sorry, right. I go off tangential, no. but I'm just
0: trying to, you know. That's brilliant. No, that's 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 great advice. Just because it's it it speaks to the mentality, right? It speaks to the focus you have to have. It speaks to the, the keeping the main thing the main thing, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's being careful with not getting too far ahead of yourself, right? All, all this mentality of focus and eyes on the prize, you know. And if you miss by a little bit, you still like what we talk about, we're still going from London to New York, but just knowing what you want instead of oh my gosh. We have a faster boat. Let's go everywhere. No, just keep going to New York. <laughs> then you That's can talk about. That's
1: exactly right. That's brilliant. Yeah, and I'm sharing this with you because I know there's probably people out there that, that you know, I I don't have all the answers, but I can tell you these are some of the things that I think about in terms of you know what's helped me in life, and uh, what I still can. I mean, even today, I I still like, oh, I got to improve on that, and I got to be more focused, and I got to really decide what I want. I mean, even today, that happens, right? So it's not like an end-all be-all thing. It's a lifelong challenge of the things that you know you want. But I would tell you, if you just focus in on a couple of things that are important and you just kind of move in that direction, I would be hard-pressed to believe you're not going to get it. I, I'm i
0: loving what you're saying. This is really good. Thank you so much for for, for, your, for your wisdom. This is great. Um, maybe let's wind the clock back a little bit and go back to some southwestern stuff okay. and i'm sure things will come up from the present okay. as well as i was navigate through this because it naturally happens um i normally ask about your recruitment store we kind of got a like a good bit of that or we got we kind of the idea of that but um we kind of glossed over the actual career so let me take you back to your first summer do you remember do you remember your first door like do you remember your first like original experience of this do you have because for me it's still really vivid and we found that normally it's pretty vivid memories for people who come on the show but th- is that something you used to hold on to
1: i don't i don't remember i just remember being cold with the shower <laughs> uh i remember <laughs> where did you
0: go where
1: i was in sell? ohio youngstown ohio oh, youngstown, you know? that's I okay, yeah. i remember that uh i don't really remember the the first door per se but i do remember um, and when I, you know, I remember not getting into doors, I do remember that. And, um, I remembered I had to call Jay, you know, my student manager. I said, I'm just not getting in the doors, man. You know, what's going on? So well, let me call him, follow you. So he follows me and uh, he goes, you know, Javette, I figured out what your problem. Is. I go, what, what is it? Tell me, I'm curious. He goes, well, I have to tell you the black leather jacket and the sunglasses are not going to help you get in the door. <laughs> so can you imagine i'm wearing shorts a black leather jacket sunglasses hey i'm this good looking kid you know coming to sell you books and they're like no you look like you're ready to rob me you know so um that was definitely the the magic to help me change getting in the (laughs) doors
0: you look like you look like after the michael jackson you know that's right what are you doing knocking on my
1: door i look like (laughs) vinny you know vinny hey i'm coming to sell you some books hey
0: hey, you want to buy some books (laughs) That's so fun. So you go through this summer experience. Was there ever a moment during that first summer where you thought, because your two roommates quite mentioned that, did you ever have that thought of like, ah, I'm going home. This is not for me. Or or was it pretty clear throughout?
1: Um, First of all, I don't, I don't, I mean, of course, I think you go through your natural feelings of wanting to quit. You know, I think I got a little off schedule at the end, but I don't, I don't ever remember saying I'm going to get my car and go home. I just don't remember feeling that. I just remember, you know. Look, the reality is, and um, you know, the reality is, is that when I when I was growing up and going to high school, you know, I was from an immigrant family, Andreas. You know, yeah. I I, I just felt pretty naive in a lot of things. You know, I, I mean, I'm just being open. Like, I didn't really go to the football games in high school. I didn't go to the, all the you know all the things that kids were doing that were my contemporaries as an immigrant kid. And I just remember, you know, that, you know, what I remember my dad was an engineer. I remember we used to hang around with a lot of doctors and business people. So I remember like, well, I want to kind of be wealthy like them, you know, I want to have that, what they have. Uh, so it's something, you know, we're kind of a product of what we don't have, not a product of what we get. You know? But I just remember that. And I just remember that I just, I don't, I mean, of course I probably thought about quitting. I just never really, thought about quitting yeah. i'm just like okay i'm just gonna this is fine i don't mind the rejection and i liked selling because i had done it at kenny's shoes so it was it was fun in the way and once i got comfortable with it i'd i mean, i'd go into people's kitchens and say hey what do you have for dinner and, you know i i started <laughs> having fun with it you know um yeah. and really yeah. connecting with people in a way that i felt like i was you know it was nice i i just remember all the nice people out there i i, I remember that i remember all the kindness i felt
0: yeah. Well, I and, and let me get, let me ask you about that. Um, I'll follow up with that in just a second. I wanted to follow up with something you said uh, about being uh, an immigrant child and understand your, your, so your parents were from Pakistan. That's right. And then the, then you moved to Toronto. Yeah, yeah. Toronto and okay. then to Houston. Anyway. And then to the Houston. So growing up with that, I mean, and I am speaking from maybe just, maybe this is me um, as an immigrant myself, part of, part of, the reason i really wanted to do well in southwestern because i I, i'm like you i never really had a real thought of quitting i mean everybody thinks of what it would be like to go home Mm -hmm. right but nobody actually i never there was never a point where i was like i'm getting my car i'm out of here unless someone like and the dsm calls and it magically intervenes never had that experience but i do remember thinking if my parents could move to another country could find a way to make it and could give me a relative level of success and by relative you know relative um, I can do this for three months. That drove me extremely, uh, like a lot. So did you ever have that feeling of wanting to do it for your parents, or like to to pay them back, or even for the fact that just proving to yourself that you can do something difficult too? Like, did you ever have some of that? Yeah, I, mean, I did I have a lot. I
1: had a lot of that actually. I mean, I was a middle child, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and I and my brother was, you know, I thought he was kind of one of those mover and shakers type of guys, and. And uh, my dad, would, I felt he was a very successful engineer. He was not; on the, he was more of a manager, project manager. So I always admired his success in terms of what he was able to accomplish, you know, uh, moving from a different country. So I was driven uh, with a lot of ambition. And, and in high school, I mean, again, you know, I went to a school that I think I was one of two minorities, really, you know. And they didn't let me into the Young Republicans Club at the time. Not that I I care now about that. But at the time, you know, they didn't really um, accept me, you know, for who I was. And those things really, really motivated me because then I said, okay, I'm going to show you, you know, I'm going to show you that I can do this and that uh, you're underestimating who I am as a person. You know, and I was very driven by proving that, proving that to someone, you know. And not that I even talked to anyone from high school. I mean, you know, it's how we create these images in our mind. Yeah. But it's, you know, <laughs> they're no part of my wife today. But how much that has driven me in my life is is uh, pretty incredible, I think, in a lot of ways. You know?
0: That's phenomenal. And, and, and that, I totally relate so much to that. Because, I mean, I almost feel seen, you know, because I understand what you mean. It's like you yeah. watch me yeah oh tell me i can't i swear kind of like you said that takeaway thing it's like
1: yeah i did this and i did it one of the things i did in high school as part of that you know piss off thing is you know the our class president i took his girlfriend to my prom just to really get under his skin because (laughs) he was one of the worst of them you know and so i do you know i i had a lot of that what i call passive aggressive i gotta prove it to you And, you know, I got to get out there and make this happen, you know? And um, a lot of that, a lot of that was very driven by that emotion, you know? Yeah.
0: Did you ever find that people, um, while you were selling door to door, had a reaction to, you know, your race, your background, uh, like from, even after you introduced yourself, did you run into any of that? Um,
1: No, you know, one of the things, uh, and I, I don't think, a lot of people, you know, my, we have these discussions at home sometimes and there's not agreement on it. I just never walked into a situation thinking someone's looking at me or treating me different. I mean, you'd have to slap me in the face for me to recognize it. Yeah. You know? I mean, really, you know, even today, I'm like, ah, da, da, and then I would think, oh, well, wait, they said something that would have been considered inappropriate, but yeah. it just doesn't, yeah. I just never walk into a situation thinking that. Does that make sense? I mean, yeah, Um, I used to think my nicknames as a flying carpet salesman was awesome, you know, but I thought that's cool, you know, but again, that had a tone that I'm from a different country, right? But I never looked at it maliciously. I mean, I always looked at it as endearing, you know, Um, any of those type of things that happened on the book field or with the managers, I never, um, I never felt that way. I never walk into a situation thinking they're going to be because it's kind of like the what they call a reticular activation, I think, is what you pay attention to, mm-hmm. is what you notice, you know. So I just yeah. don't I don't even let those things kind of seed in my mind, you know. Um, and so I just kind of let it, you know, let it go.
0: Yeah, and I appreciate that mentality a lot. You know, it um it it uh if you look for it, it'll find you for sure, right. you know.
1: And then it kind um, of creates a crutch for you too, Andreas, right? If you if you delve yeah. into the thought, you know, if you kind of look for it, then you're almost giving yourself an excuse on why you shouldn't be able to do something or can't do something. And that, you know, our mind plays those tricks on us all the time. You know, you kind of have to be your best lawyer. That's sometimes like, well, you know, why am I thinking that? <laughs> yeah. what, what's making me feel that way? So you're right.
0: No, absolutely. Um, I mean, and it's, and that's not to say that the, the people don't face challenges like that in real, like actually in real, like the people out there are 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 not always, you know, uh able to you know enjoy uh that mentality for example we had we had uh people on our show who it was very clear that race was playing a major role into their experience right we, we had a Melissa allen sold in a in a town where she and she's black She sold in a town where um there was like active kkk members and she knocked on one of their doors you know mm. but the way that she tells a story is kind of what you're saying and the similar idea but it was more like hey look these are the circumstances of the world and people are going to be how they're going to be in my life. And it's not up to me to determine or to let them, you know, it's up to me to let them not affect me. But at the same time, it's not up to me to try to tell them how to, how to be, I just have to deal with it. Cause there's always going to be people like that. Right. But there's always going to be kindness as well. And so assuming kind of going, like you said, walk into a situation, assuming um, that things are okay, that it's going to be fine. That has a lot to do with how people do perceive you because, there's a confidence in that knowing, Hey, there, you can't hurt me. There's nothing you really are going to say or do that's going to offend me. And even if you do say something offensive, I'm not really going to care. So mm. do your best or do your worst. And either way, I'm going to be giving you my best regardless of what happens. And that's a super cool mentality to have, um, that I appreciate that that you bring up because that's, that's, that, that goes a long way, you know?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's very true, Andreas. Look, you know, yeah. Uh, it is out there it is definitely a challenge for a lot of people i'm not trying to in any way minimize that you know so yeah, yeah. um and i you know you see it and it happens but uh, again you know don't allow it don't allow it to bring you know to give yourself a reason not to not to persist or proceed or, or move forward is what i'm trying to say
0: yeah brilliant yeah and that's that's what i'm getting from you is it whether it's out there whether you face it or not just uh, I- embrace it right and you, I love what you said about celebrate and, and as a Colombian, you know, people, oh, do you got, you got that stuff with you and scratch their nose. Right. Yeah. You like, you know, that could be considered like, and so they probably even mean that in, in sometimes some people I've met in Nebraska growing up. Sure. But at the same time, I'm like, you know what? I go, yeah, actually Pablo Escobar was my cousin, oh. but uh, <laughs> I don't know. Really, you know, I just, I just give it, I just make it, I own it. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. That's part of what I'm going to be known for my entire life right we all watch narcos and so mm-hmm. i go might as well make make a joke out of it instead of oh
1: people you have to oh, correct fabian family. Fabian corzo you know fabian corzo yeah yeah he's i recruited him into the business so oh, okay. i'm very awesome. familiar with him yeah, so
0: that's cool That's really yeah nice. i invited him he he wanted to be on the show at some point his daughters or one of his daughters Candace. sold- yeah, yeah.
1: candace's yeah. wife and then carolina is his daughter
0: yeah they sold books and, or she's still selling, I think even, um, so you call yeah, me grandfather.
1: Yeah. They call me grandpa. Is that you are in a way. Yeah. exactly. It's three generations. So, yeah. That's
0: awesome. Um, as you're going through your summers, uh, after that first experience, you must've had a blast because you decided to come back for four more. <laughs> um, how did you, how did you, that, the, that you're, um, Acumen grow as you went through the program, as you went into the recruiting stuff. How, how did you find that experience of recruiting and the management side of things?
1: Okay, so from a from a you know, my second summer was tough, you know, because that's when you know you you know what to expect. Yes, you know. Um, yeah, but I harder. managed it. Yeah, it's harder, um, but you know, I think what I loved about Southwestern is um, I loved learning about how to be successful. You know, I loved I loved the camaraderie that came. From it, you know, and the relationships that you are able to build. I loved Tom Boyd. I mean, I really, I really loved who he was as a person, and I still, you know, have a lot of respect for Tom Boyd. Um, so those are the things that kind of brought me back, you know. Um, and you know, um, I liked recruiting. I, you know, I, I had a lot of fun with it. You know, I, I was able to go to the recruiting department at U of H and talked the lady into giving me all the resources I needed to, you know, use a recruiting office. And she gave me an office there to have kids come in and I could interview them and stuff. So I really enjoyed that, uh, the whole aspect of it. Um, I just wasn't very good at what I call the, the management or the leadership style. of it. I, it took me, and I still learn today, but it, take, it took me many, many years uh, to figure out, you know, how to lead people and, and manage them well, you know? I mean, manage, I don't like the word manage because it, it, it alludes to control. Lead is more like follow. So leadership is really the right word, you know? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, second summer, I think I, I didn't really bring any, maybe a couple people. And then third summer, I brought some people. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to be able to get a lot of people to the interviews. That was what I think Tom Boyd always liked. I could just fill a whole room. Uh, were they good quality candidates? Probably not, but I was able to, you know. Um, and you know, so I, I had some teams. I think the last year was like ten recruits or something. They all kind of washed oh. out, except for maybe uh, maybe eight or nine recruits, and except for maybe two or three kids kind of lasted the summer, which I, you know, uh, which I really liked, and uh, they were they were great guys. Um, and so Fabian right. kept, you know, Fabian put, you know sold for a couple summers, I think two or three, and then he recruited his. His uh, brother Tomas, you know, uh, of course. I remember being at Fabian's house and I'm, you know, doing the parent visit and uh, I'm talking to his mom and dad. And Faye and Tomas walks by with a book just like this. You know, he's walking by and he's reading How to Win Friends and Influence People, you know. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, uh, Tomas, have you heard this? And his mom looked at me and said, You only get one. I said, Okay, I guess I got Fabian. like, shit, you know, I would have loved to have Tomas the first year, too, you know. But anyway, you know, that's how it works out. Um, but, no, we had, we we enjoyed, Tomas was always part of the organization, and I uh, worked with him for a summer or two. And then Fabian, and then his sister, and uh, Matt Merritt, I remember, and Mark Upchurch, oh. you know. So there's a few, really, Jason Ruby, there's some really great kids um, at that time. They're not kids anymore. Um, but I was terrible at it. Uh, I didn't really understand the principles of of um, how to how to help them get what they want, how to teach them you know I was dedicated yeah. to doing whatever they needed, but that's different than leading them to what they want and how to help them you know, get to the next level
0: it's tough it's tough to really uh, especially especially if it's something where it's like such a systematic thing where it's like, just do this. And if it doesn't work, then you're like, what am I missing? It's hard, you know, when, when you're trying to do it from scratch, maybe it's a little easier, but when there's, when you're trying to teach someone how to use a system that you have learned and they don't get it, it just, what do I do? Like, how do I, how do I help? So it's, it's, it's not an easy thing to do to lead people, especially in in sales and and, and in business. So that's definitely for sure. Now, as you're, oh, go ahead, go ahead.
1: No, go ahead, please.
0: No, I was going to say as you, as you're going through these summers and 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 kind of trying to grow this base, you know, the was there ever a time that you they had a moment where you're like, "Aha, I kind of figured this out." And was like was there a moment where it really clicked for you uh, in, in that regard? Still Never. still worked on it. I mean, <laughs>
1: I I I mean, I I I think I went through between Tom James and the business I'm in and Southwest, probably 30, 40 people. I mean, those poor souls. <laughs> had to put up with me, you know? um, I think I finally figured out, you know, over the last few, you know, last five, six, 10 years. But, you know, those first, I mean, it's very challenging to go from a strong type A sales mentality to slow it down and coach. And, you know, it's a very difficult thing to do. I mean, I always admired the book folks that were able to do that. You know, I really did. Even at Tom James, you know, the ones that were the type A stud. Top salespeople and how they manage people—it was really pretty phenomenal, uh, you know. Yeah. But the reality is, it takes almost two different characters to do well. At, you know, to do both, right? Yeah. I mean, Type A sales is great, you know—that's you know—that's your producer. But um, you know, being a good leader is a little more methodical, a little more intuitive. You know, it's not a numbers game. You're not on a clock. You know. Uh, You don't have a 10 minute for a presentation. Does that make sense? I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that require, um, you know, it's about relationship to be of service, not relationship to take advantage. You know, there's a whole different mentality around that. Yeah. So it, it takes a lot of understanding um, and a lot of uh, practice and, and putting your heart in the right place and there's only a few good leaders I've ever really met, you know, that that really understand that concept of, you know, it's your int- you know, goals align, vision aligns. You know, if you help someone else with what they want, it automatically aligns with yours. Yeah. They're not yeah. usually separated ever, right? Uh, so whatever you're trying to do to help someone else, it's usually in alignment with what you're trying to achieve, you know. But the reality of the situation is that. At the end of the day, whether they work with me or they don't, am I gonna help them anyways? And the answer for me is yes. And that's the genuine level of leadership that I I admire and look for, you know, and and want to be. Mm. They don't have to yeah. work for me to be their great leader. They can be they can be somewhere else. I can work with them 10 years if they want to go somewhere else and I'm able to help them get to that next level or take that next step, and I'm not gonna personally benefit from that, so be it. That's okay, right? that's the type yeah. of leader i aspire to want to be
0: that's brilliant oh Javed, you're you're awesome man i'm so mm-hmm. happy to be speaking with you um how, how did you know it was time to go i mean how, if i why not six summers and why not four you know, you know they how wanted me to do more working? of the recruiting
1: obviously and that just didn't really you know obviously obviously you know i enjoyed it but i didn't i wasn't very successful at it and uh you know and i thought it was just time time to move on time to you know um, you know, time to go do do what I needed to do. You know, I mean, I think it's just sometimes you feel it. And, uh, you know, you know what confusion is, right? It's when, you're, when your mind and your gut feeling are opposing each other. So Ooh. I go with my gut feeling.
0: Uh, I love that. If anything, write that down, kids.
1: <laughs> yeah. So gut feeling is really kind of how I like to lead. We can talk ourselves in and out of everything all day long. Uh, and that's kind of what gets us in trouble. But Go with what you feel, because more than likely, that is the right that is the right decision. That's
0: the right choice. I love it. Um, okay, so let's do this. I have some rapid-fire questions for you. This okay. is a little segment we'd like to do. And then we go okay. into some ponytails. Is that okay? So okay. Some of your favorite memories. You're the boss. And then this might help you strike some memories. Uh, uh, so you might come up with several ponytails. So it could be a bunch of – I mean – we as much time as you want to give us. We'll take as much as you uh, okay. feel like being here. But okay, so number one, favorite uh, favorite territory out of the five summers that you sold, where was the favorite like state that you went to or town?
1: Um, I I enjoyed Iowa.
0: Yeah, interesting. I enjoyed oh, I Iowa. Like, I just there was just was a some Nebraska. I'm like, uh.
1: <laughs> no, no, I enjoyed Iowa uh, Cedar Rapids, Iowa. I have a lot of good memories of Cedar Rapids, Iowa. You know? yeah Which i also enjoyed Knoxville, quite frankly but i mean i you know i really enjoyed i think it was my third summer i think you know and um so there's you know you're kind of over there 1st your second and the third you're just kind of in the groove you get it and i think that uh that really uh made a big difference for me
0: i love that okay um what type of turf did you prefer big break country suburbia what was your what was your um, bread and butter?
1: i like the country but you know uh in the, the, in the country, there'd be like certain roads or certain little neighborhoods, you know, that, you yeah. know, where not all the houses are five miles apart, but, you know, you're driving in the middle of nowhere and there's like a little complex of, or subdivision of 40 homes. Yeah. I, I love that. That situation was always very yeah. nice because you get to know. Yeah. everyone in the neighborhood.
0: Yeah. And everyone's super nice because I don't get guests like door to door often. Right. And also because everyone's nice. Generally, if it's kind of a little bit more developed like that, not huge, but just a small. It's also not super low income, but it's super not high income. So That's right. the money objection is a little less, and the That's education right. investment is a little higher. Yeah, so it's I always like those. So I
1: always like those areas. Beautiful. I love that answer.
0: This is my favorite too. you like, Oh, you met everyone. So you, by the time you got down through that town, you knew everyone, you know, like who's sure. getting divorced. You know, what kids were getting kicked out right. of school, you knew That's what, right. you know, who, who was the stud of the, you know, who's the quarterback of the team. That's yeah. great stuff. Um, Did you ever have a favorite advanced sales tape that you, that you listened to um, over and over as you were selling? Um,
1: I love the music. I play the music tape. If everyone yeah, remembers right. that, you know, I used to enjoy playing that. Um, Advanced sales tapes. Uh, honestly, I don't. I mean, that's been so long. I don't. Sure, I'm sorry, good. Andres. I don't remember any of the specific names of the advanced sales tape. But you know, if you're talking about people that I enjoyed listening to or learn from, uh, it was Dan Moore. I always yeah. enjoyed yeah. learning from him, and I really enjoyed learning from David Dean. Um, David Dean. <laughs> on now is your time to win and kind that, of yeah, know, yeah. So of- those were those were very influential for me, and I really really uh, enjoyed learning from those two folks. Yeah.
0: Dan Moore. I mean, we've, we've talked about him quite a bit here on the show, but I mean, the the, the ability to remember you to just really like know you well and see you is unmatched from. yeah, it's pretty impressive.
1: I've always, I've always liked Dan and Lee was fun. He was just more of a punk rocker type dude. And I wasn't really a punk rocker. So, you (laughs) know, we didn't have that connection, but anyways, you know,
0: (laughs) well, if you saw Lee now, it's he's, he's, he's the funniest dude still. All right, cool. He he helps us host our other podcast, uh executive exercises. Yeah. Oh, cool. Well, he's fun. And his episode too, I'd recommend uh, checking it out on here. I it's will. funny. Um, okay, favorite product to sell, little kids' books, uh volume libraries that you were selling at the time. What was your like your, your favorite? I love I love
1: the My had? Fun books. Those were the yeah. easy sales with the cassette tape. It just had such an incredible value, in my opinion, for anyone who was buying it right it's kind of like a brainless decision you know like come on yeah and so uh that was my favorite favorite product um you know um i did sell the handbooks but it was kind of my least favorite because i always felt like it was a i'm selling a dictionary you know yeah um but you know um and then you know the the quick books were the quick you know the quick sales you know for the grandma yeah. that felt bad Never saw
0: grandma, You're like here we go yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> right So yes, but my fun book was kind of the easy, easy one. I
0: loved it. I loved it. Um, Out of your five summers, your favorite overall summer? Like if you could go back and relive a summer.
1: Uh, If I had to go back and relive it. um, Man, I have such nice things of all of them. Uh, (laughs) I like Cedar Rapids. I thought that was a cool summer. Yeah, I really loved it. I mean. West Virginia was fun. Knoxville was fun. Kansas was good. Um, we, but- we hear about West
0: Virginia. We hear a lot of good news about West Virginia on here. A lot of people love yeah. West Virginia.
1: Yeah, uh, it was just the hollers, and you know, it was it was kind yeah. of a, a cool place. Yeah, you know? what a
0: culture! It's almost a different country, West Virginia. Yeah, it <laughs> is. It good. is
1: a different country, and I just I remember, I would always say some of the some of the dogs had more teeth than some of the people. You know, that was just a very strange. <laughs> Strange thing for me. I remember one lady, she comes out and she takes this huge, you know, spit and wipes her hand like this. And how are you? And then reaches out to shake my hand. I'm like, you really want me to shake your hand after you just wiped your spittoon on your face? I mean, geez, come on. But I remember meeting a lady that was in Harvard. It was a Harvard graduate, you know. And I pulled into, I drove in this long hauler and um, there's a bus, there's two buses, you know, like a compound of buses and an outdoor shower with a ring and like some big old, you know, John Deere tractor out in the field. And uh, I'm like, hey, you know, I'm selling education books. And she said, look at me, kid. She was kind of mean. She says, I'm from Harvard, you know, I don't need your education books, you know, and you know that tractor out there? I own it. And I'm like, well then why do you live in a bus? I mean, I was really kind of very confused with the whole, uh, I didn't say that, but it was kind of, right. you know. like, but you meet some very interesting people in West Virginia. just, you know, to say that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so good. Oh man. Um, what was your best sales day, whether in terms of units or just from a standpoint of your, like, when you look back, was, is there a day that you recall that you're like, man, that was my best day. Whether you met the fun family or you sold a lot or, anything like that Gosh. best day
1: best day i it can tell be you my last one <laughs> well i it can be but i think my best day is anytime i ever saw albert sag at checkout mad at me for beating him cuz he used to like get very competitive with me you know and he would be beating me all throughout the whole summer the whole summer right and um i was very good at deliveries you know i was very good at do- i would always be I'd sell like 8, 900 units more on top of what I was selling. And he he would go, "Oh man," and he would get so upset that I would beat and I loved that was probably the best <laughs> feeling I ever had. Albert saying, they annoyed that I would always beat him at the end.
0: Yeah. You got to love that.
1: When you when you
0: it. have someone, when you have a target on someone's back, especially if they beat you the year before or something yeah. or yeah. the week or you know. Oh, and you go He was you fun. Go to he checkout. was we
1: would always be neck and neck and Right at the end, I'd pull away by eight or 900 units and you'd go like, how do you do that? I'm like, well, I'm good at deliveries, you know, <laughs> just think about you the whole time. There's,
0: there's always that one person that you're like, I don't care if I beat anybody else, but there's no way.
1: Yeah, Albert Seg was a the guy, Albert Seg was the most, uh, that was probably the best, you know, in terms of the best feeling. The other feeling yeah. is going into Nashville. I mean, you know. Oh my after, gosh, after, yes. You know, you know, and then going through the checkout process is fine, but you get to see people. You know, uh, going to the warehouse to drop off the damn books you were lugging around for a thousand miles. You know, I mean, those are great feelings. You know, as far as I'm so good, I'm happy. Uh, I'm driving home. You know, with my check in the in the glove box. You know, basically. You know, with my feet out the window, listening to you know Fleetwood Mac. I mean, it's those memories that that have a lot to me. I mean, in terms of the job itself, I mean. Of course, I met great people, and I met great families, um, and they're all so kind. The one, that, the one that I always remembered that was a little more heartfelt is when the lady said, uh, I'm going to buy these books. Uh, can you grab my checkbook?" So I went and got her checkbook, and she says, I don't know how to write, so can you please fill out the check for me? And she signed it with X's and O's, and I felt like, wow, you know, this lady is willing to buy books for her grandchildren because she doesn't know how to read or write. I mean, that's kind of emotional at that way. I mean, you feel like, wow, I had to write the checkout for the lady. Yeah. Um, so that's one of my oh, favorite man. memories in terms of, well, then yeah, you feel like at some point you're adding some value you know, to, to people's lives.
0: Yeah. And that always, that always felt good when you're like, these people are for sure going to be using these books. Yeah, exactly. I, I made a difference by being here by knocking yeah. on your door 20 exactly. minutes ago. Yeah. yeah. That's really yeah. cool. Yeah. the, the feeling of driving into Nashville, oh man, I I don't know if I felt that good since, man. I mean, I, I messy winning the World Cup would be pretty cool, but mm-hmm. but I mean, when you leave the last house, or when you leave the bank with a cashier's check, and you're going, yeah. the next time I get out of my car for a long time, besides gas, is going to be at the company.
1: All right, <laughs> it was feeling, a great feeling, right? Everyone happy well, graduating you and by the way morocco should win the world cup andreas just so you know fair I mean, enough fair, okay. fair um, enough <laughs> i'm gonna pitch for morocco because you know i'm gonna go for the underdog you know yeah you um, know
0: i hope they beat france so that that so messi has it on paper at least a little easier but if they beat france they're probably a better team than france because they're also better than spain and portugal well what's, so I don't even what's know interesting is that you know it's,
1: it's kind of it's got a deep-seated history right i mean france occupied morocco right so yeah in some ways this is kind of an interesting there's like uh, a political
0: yeah there's a political there's to aspect to it yeah
1: yeah which i find kind of fascinating but anyways yeah yeah,
0: yeah. It, it, it's been yeah i've been watching it's been wild That's um good. okay and then the last the last uh rapid fire question is the your favorite breakfast spot
1: iowa again there was this lady uh, it was <laughs> It was in, uh, there was a breakfast spot, which was really cool in Cedar Rapids. They had this little shopping thing, but it was over the bridge. So you had a bridge right over the river, but all the stores were over the bridge. And there was a a little breakfast spot there. So cute. Just awesome. You know, and we would just show up every morning. They'd have our breakfast ready. You know, we do our executives outside and we take off, you know. But yeah, that was my favorite breakfast spot right in Cedar Rapids. And it was on a bridge, I remember that over over a river right so it's or a little you know tributary or something but it was really kind of neat so cool. that was my favorite spot that's so cool and it says i'm trying to
0: look for it enjoy mamacita tacos or something now there's i'm looking for this place online to see if i could find it yeah like well you it might have changed but
1: it was a cool breakfast spot at the time
0: that's so cool <laughs> i love that when people uh when you did executive exercises or like when you would show up for breakfast and they were already there because that just made you feel like part of home i we we got my brother and i were able to get uh some of the people who served us breakfast to do execs with us oh man, that's cool. they'd they'd be like what are you doing and at some point like hey at the end of the summer you're going to be doing this with us and they got out, oh, you know but sure enough august comes or even sometimes late july and you do, <laughs> oh, it's good That's good. Awesome. <laughs> <awesome. That's> awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. a good time on on a note from a I mean, I'm trying to think like if I was if I was looking into this and, and I, for people who listening who might be like hey this actually I want to learn more about this what's the barrier to entry like maybe I'm sitting here and I'm like man I would that sounds cool but I don't know shit about insurance like I, why would I want to go talk to people
2: Yeah the the barriers to entry I think are really pretty low uh everybody would probably have a different opinion but in terms of just be able to get out the door and go sell, you've got look, you've got to get a license I have my life and health license because you needed the health license at Family Heritage or if you want to sell Medicare products or certain types of health products, you have to have the health side. But what it takes to get either one or both of those licenses is roughly the same. You take a study course. You may need to study for 15 hours. You may need to study as many as 30 hours. But like with Cardinal, we've got a a pretty cool course from studying to getting your license can – Can be as quick as like seven to 10 days if you really, 15 to 20 if you're moving at a medium pace. And beyond that, if it takes you longer than that, you're just not really all that motivated (laughs) to start because it's not a difficult process.
0: Yo, let's get off schedule one last time. Go watch a movie, or maybe you should figure out how to work at NLight Energy. Alex Black is crushing it down there, and a former DSM, Julio Hernandez, are both running this company. And man, they are cranking 10 people on their team and growing. It's enough that, uh, Alex only has to sell like one thing every other week and make over six figures. So if you want to learn more about that and maybe help change the planet, click on the link below. Oh man. So cool. Well, uh, Javette, do you mind if we go into some ponytails and and maybe just continue picking your brain about some of the fun memories that you've had from, from the book field or some of your favorite stories that you remember? I mean, I I know you've shared some already and they've been so fun to hear, Um, but this is so people know who are listening. And if this is your first episode, the ponytails part of the, uh, of the episode, is now we're moving towards the last phase. And it's usually, uh, sometimes it's anywhere from 10 to 30 minutes long. It just depends on how many stories we have to hear. Um, mm. But it's where it's, it's, it's our guests' favorite stories from the book field, whether it was a big customer that bought uh, their favorite HQ spot, um if if it was just a a really kind of like a heartfelt story kind of the lady where you wrote the checkout to uh something hilariously comical that you can't even like comprehend how it happened in real life so um i'll give the mic over to you it could also be important lessons that you learn along the way things that you still carry with you um but uh it's your it's your call what you want to share with us here as i kind of uh wrap up uh so take it away my friend it's been a pleasure
1: well thank you uh i'm again it's been what almost 30 years since I've sold books, man. So, and you got to go deep into the memory banks, uh, to remember that's one of the things that I don't really think a lot about, uh, those type of things. I'm always thinking about where I'm going kind of things. I never really, um, so, um, you know, I think some of the, some of the favorite stories is, you know, um, when, uh, you know, it's just the things I would do. I, I remember, you know, um, in iowa i don't know why it's my favorite place but the thing that disgusted me is that you know i just remember coming home tired as hell you know after a full day of selling books uh they had a kid that uh, had some special needs you know nice kid they had some cats and they gave us a room upstairs you know uh, for john crabb and i uh to sweep on a double together i mean it's the only time I find guys are that comfortable sleeping that close together. I think at that point you're just so damn tired, you know. You don't doesn't really matter care. it's soft. <laughs> but for some reason, you know, the cat would piss on the bed oh, every single night, every day. And can you imagine having to come home? You're tired as shit. You don't have any you don't have any additional sheets. And I just have to sleep in the cat piss. I'm like, I, and I can't even fathom. How John Crabb and I slept in cat piss every freaking night, and it wasn't like once a week. It was like fresh every day. You're you're sweaty and, and you're just you just drop down. On...
0: <laughs> it starts I warm, mean, it ends up cold.
1: Yeah, I just <laughs> I just don't understand how how I did that. You know, um,
0: it it helps you it helps you get encouraged for the cold shower.
1: That's right. You know, and then like, we you know, when, when course, the cold shower is any, You're not even wiping off any germs with your damn cold shower either, right? You know, you're just. It's just... Living in cat piss the whole summer.
0: At um, the end of the summer, you just have a yellow spot wherever the cat was. <laughs> I just, you, you know, didn't watch it from the cold shower.
1: Sometimes I can't. I look back and I said, "How did I? How did I? You know, how did I do that? How did you tolerate that? You know?" Yeah. Um, you know. Do
0: you do you, when you tell your wife? I I found this. My wife didn't sell books. um when you tell your wife about some of this stuff that comes up kind of because it comes up all the time you'll be driving and you just think of the most random thing from the book field, like oh my gosh <laughs> this happened to me um what does she say when you when when you try to describe
1: this i mean experience? In, in the beginning when we were first married i had a lot more memories of the book field so i talked more yeah. about it and she'd be like oh it's cool and you know but you know anyone who who um doesn't sell books it's really difficult for them to to relate, you know, to what, what you're really <laughs> talking about. Like, you know, what, you know, why is a chicken eating my pretzels? As soon as I go knock, you know, the, you know I, I run out of my car, I come back, there's a chicken eating all my pretzels. You know, how the hell do you get a chicken out of your car eating a pretzels? You know? Think about that, you know, flying all in your car. And so, you know, car it's stuff like this, you know, it's just causing problems, you know. Um, one of my favorite memories is the summer I was with um, Tomas and uh, Fabian uh in knoxville you know we had two houses next to each other you know um and that was a favorite that was a nice time you know because you get home and there was six or seven of us not just you know two of you you know yeah that's gonna Um, be fun so that was always really nice memories um the scariest memory i had was when i was trying to get in my 30 demos a day i remember this guy you know i'm like i'm like oh you know you know someone's like hey you gotta hit your 30 so I'm driving around, I pull into a gas station, I pull out a cookbook, you know, and uh, this guy's sitting in his truck kind of off to the corner. And I'm like, oh, great, you know, being a woof, you know, uh, oh, this is good. I'll, I'll go to that guy in the truck, you know. So I'm, like, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, hey, you know, I'm just trying to, you know, I'm trying to get my 30 demos in. I just want to show you this quick cookbook. I mean, no value in what we're doing, right? It's just action over, you know, activity with no value, right? So the guy just looks at me. I remember him looking at me and I remember this look and he takes his fist and he punches the window in front of him and the whole windshield cracks, right? <laughs> I'm like, wow. uh, I'm like uh, okay, you know, I'm like, I, I'm sorry. And, I, and I, just, I just turned around right away and left, you know? So that was kind of the scariest moment. Uh, the most uncomfortable moment I had is, um, I can't remember what town this is, Uh, You know, a lot of guys talk about, you know, women hitting on them and stuff like that. You know, so Mm -hmm. I'm out in Kansas, I think, and it's hot as hell. You know, the fumes off the tar, you're running down the street. And and I just go in and I knock on this guy's door. He he answers the door. His kids are home. And he goes, uh, I go, listen, you know, I'm like, here's what I'm doing. Can I get a glass of water, you know? And he goes, yeah, sure. Come on in. So he gets me a glass of water. So I sit down and normally I'd read the kind of like pick up the paper or kind of look at whatever's, you know, kind of just, I'm glancing at the paper. And first of all, I'm really pissed off because it's like 110 degrees outside and the guy gives me tap water. You know, he doesn't even, oh it's you know, like, it's like drinking fire with fire. <laughs> like, what the hell's wrong? Yeah. <laughs> but later on I discovered what he was thinking. So I'm sitting there and I'm just kind of like, you know, doing my, and he's, he's looking me up and down you know and uh and uh and i'm like okay well that's kind of weird and then he leans in and says Do you want to mess you know you you want to go mess around or you know something like that what and i'm like i'm like i i dropped i almost drop the uh you know the cup i get up right away and I'm, i've never been hit on by that in that way right i mean yeah, Again, I mean, this is people.
0: 1990 something. This is like, this 1990,
1: is whatever. Two, whatever. Normal, guys hitting yeah, yeah. on me, right? Yeah. You know? I'm like, no, that's okay. And so I, I leave his house, and uh okay, I'm, and I'm running down the street, still thirsty as hell, obviously. <laughs> and yeah. I see this guy come up in his car behind me. I'm like, oh crap. You know, what is this gonna mean? You know you're gonna like shoot me what's gonna happen here you know he's gonna jeffrey like, Dahmer's still alive at exactly so he pulls up next to me and i'm just looking at him and he's like listen i'm sorry you know can you not tell the neighbors you know i'm like dude don't worry about it. we're good you know and i just kind of moved on and he he did his own thing but the least thing you oh, could yeah. have done is bought some books from me for hitting on me, but, you know. Come on, yeah. He said that, actually. I said, listen, if you buy some books from me, I won't say a damn thing, you know? <laughs> Make him pay three, $400 for a whole set of books. That would have been the best thing to say. Actually.
0: Donate it to the kid to the... That's reason.
1: right. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: All right, yeah, that's...
1: <laughs> you know, that's... Uh, pie in the eye was always fun in the, on the weekends, you know, with the competition. Yeah. We'd have to stop at the grocery store. You buy the cheapest frozen pies you can find you know so you can get them smattered all over your face you know? great stuff. uh so yeah it was it was just overall it was just a really i have very fond memories of you know good things you know if you look back in life generally you don't always think about the bad things right unless you allow yourself to yeah. so my overall feeling of the program was good you know i felt good about I it, it. I felt, you know i felt like you know I, uh, I learned, uh, you know, how to be persistent. I learned how to talk to anyone I wanted to. It drives my kids crazy today. You know, like I just go introduce myself to whoever I want. (laughs) Uh, So that, you know, um, I had confidence, you know, coming out of college that, you know, I didn't have to rely on someone else to make an income. I knew I could always go sell something. You know, you always felt that confidence, right? And, you know, it just overall, it was just a great experience. I mean, you just feel good. You know, that was an experience and a memory I'll never forget. And it's a really great influential part of my life. And I have really no bad feelings on that program. I, I still wonder how I did it and how, how did I go through that? And what did I, I mean? But I don't know how I did it. I don't know. You know, that's very, how did you do that? I don't know, but I did it and I'm, I'm so grateful to to Mike and uh, Tom Boyd and all the folks that helped me be successful there and believe in me, you know, Uh, and so, yes, I have very fond memories of of the whole experience.
0: That is awesome. You know what that is a perfect way those are closing thoughts this is a great way to, to wrap this one up i first of all gray ponytails that was good <laughs> thank you uh, so good yeah so good um and i want to say thank you so much for being on here i want to say thank you for your time um and for really just uh, i i like when we have episodes like this when they're philosophical and there's a, there's a lot more not necessarily much about the details but a lot more about the lessons learned and the things that you still carry with you. Um, the, 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 the things that you mentioned throughout were really wise. And so I want to thank you for sharing that with us and, and spending an afternoon with us. Thank you so much.
1: You're welcome, Andres. I got a ton more of it. Uh, you know, I could talk about it for hours, but uh, you know, if anyone needs anything, I'm always you know available to, you know, uh, answer any questions or thoughts, you know, um, it's always nice to give back, you know, again, I, I know that for sure, uh, where I am today would not be for five or six people who took a genuine interest to help me. And so, you know, it's give back. I think that's really important.
0: Uh, that is so well said, my my my, my sir. Thank you so much, um, guys. We're going to wrap this one up. My name is Andres Gamboa. If you guys have a question uh, for Javet, if you want to get a hold of him, uh, reach out to us. We'll put you in contact. You can also go check out the uh, you know Biscayne Hospitality on Instagram. Go. You can find him on LinkedIn um facebook th- there's lots of ways to find uh to get a hold of people but if you are completely lost just messages on our platforms and we can get you to connect it um thank you so much for for listening we'll catch you guys on the next one like i said my name is andre scamboa i am your host i will uh we'll be back later thanks so much bye everyone thank you